excitement and anticipation can be wonderful, whether it's the night before Christmas, the night before a big match, maybe the build-up to a wedding, maybe preaching Joshua. Uh, you might feel massively excited, but, but also quite nervous, not sure how things are going to go. For days, months, years, you've been waiting for this moment, and now it's finally arrived. Can you imagine how the children of Israel felt on the banks of the Jordan after 40 years of the wilderness, looking over into the promised land? Well, good morning. As you can tell, we're going to continue uh, our series in Joshua, in Joshua chapter 3 and 4. What I'm going to call the great show and tell. Where God not only shows himself, but reminds the Israelites who show it is anyway. It's him that is in charge. It's him that's running things. And where God stipulates that they tell others all about it. And they tell others by leaving a tell. Let's read the text together. If you can open your Bibles to to Joshua chapter 3. We'll read through the, the, the whole two chapters. Joshua chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went on ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went on ahead of them. Now the Jordan's in full flood all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Sarathon, where the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, 
The Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and carry them over with you, and put them down in the right place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. And Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now, the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed and in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him, all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground that the waters of the Jordan returned to the place and ran in flood as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan cap to Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal, Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Thank you. So, Joshua chapter 3, the show. The first thing we realize from reading this, this passage is the centrality of the ark of the Lord. It's mentioned 17 times in, chap- in the two chapters and can be quite a difficulty in getting through all of them without making a bit of a slur of your words. But um, clearly this is God's show. God is in charge. It is God who will lead his people into Canaan. It is God who will cut off the flooded river and, and hold it back with his mighty hand. This is God's work. Although the Israelites are active and indeed they, they have to act as part of the story, primarily they're spectators in this story. Looking into the text, we first hear of the Ark of the Covenant in in verse 3. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. 
And quickly in verse 4, we are given a reason for following it. Then you will know what way to go. Since you haven't been this way before. Since you have not been this way before, the the children of Israel have become proficient at, at wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. But stepping by faith into the promised land, stepping by faith into the pathway of God's plan for their life, they need him as a guide. When we wake up tomorrow morning, will we feel nervous about the swirling river that that may lie in front of us? But if if we do, we need to step out from our positions and, and follow him so that we will know what way to go so that we will know how to speak to our boss, so that we will know how to speak to our colleague, so that we will know how to to deal with a friend in need, so that we will know how to deal with the recession, so that we will know how to live as God intended us to live, in faith, trusting him and and following him. Verse 4 in the text also tells the people to keep a distance, over half a mile from the ark. And I I think this this distance is because there's up to two and a half million people. And all of them had to see the ark. God wants us to follow him, but we need to have a perspective of moving with other people. Everyone had to see the ark so that no one was mistaken. This was God's miracle. When we're looking for God's guidance, it's important that nothing And no one is is in our way to to block or obscure our vision. The text tells us that we must not only faithfully follow with the right perspective, but verse 5 tells us that our attitude is important for us to be able to see God's show. It says, consecrate yourselves or purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Without purifying themselves, without preparing themselves, the Israelites might see the Lord's work but not realize its true significance. I I don't believe that God is is limited by our unpreparedness, but I do think that that we can appreciate his show more when we we are prepared. Our sanctifying ourselves, our, our striving to be holy, allow us to appreciate God's show more and be able to react to that. Let's look on down into the text, into verse 10. Before crossing the Jordan, Joshua speaks to the Israelites. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, how you will know that he will certainly drive out the peoples of the land before you. And the logic is, if, if the Lord can tame this raging river, he will certainly drive out the people, and he will repel the tribes and the peoples of the land. If he can get you into the land, he can surely give you the land. Paul uses a similar logic in Romans 8. If God did not hold back, but gave his own son for us all, we can rest assured he will grant all other provisions. Israel failed to um, realize this logic in, 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 in Exodus 16 when they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They should have realized that the God who brought them out of Egypt would not let go of them in the wilderness. The Red Sea, the Jordan... And the death and resurrection of Jesus are explosions of God's power that should color our whole horizon. To assure us that the God who handles these great events is is surely able for the trials that we face day to day. 
Let's pick up the narrative again, verse 14. So the people broke camp to cross the Jordan. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went on ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in full flood all during the harvest. This is a, an interesting break in the, in the flow of the story, but this t- bit of information is very important. Why did the Lord choose to bring the Israelites across the river when it was most difficult? The Jordan is dammed now, uh, and uh, you know, it's quite different to, to how it was in the time of, of Joshua. But in, in 1894, a guy called J.W. McGarvey wrote about the River Jordan. He wrote how the valley was 14 miles wide and the river fell at 700 feet in 60 miles and and fell even quicker towards the end. So it would have been quite a rapid current normally, but when swollen, the water would rush with a strong force. The valley was full of small trees and thick bushes, so in flood, the water would be tearing its way over the brush. J.J. McGarvey spoke of how it would be a fearful sight and to even think about crossing it would seem utterly preposterous. God let his people pass through the Jordan precisely at the time of year when it was most difficult. And the Lord delights to show his power in the face of our utter helplessness. This might be God's way of teaching us in our utter helplessness, our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Okay, back to the story. Verse 15. As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, God came through with his fantastic deliverance. They literally stepped out in faith and that's when God moved. That's when it happened. Nothing happened until they got their feet wet. So the water from upstream stopped flowing and piled up about 26 miles away at a town called Adam. And the water flowing down to the Dead Sea was cut off. The whole channel of the river was, was, was dry. And this is immense, and it needed to be for this whole community to cross over. The priests stood firm in the middle of the Jordan until the whole nation of Israel passed by on dry land. So let's turn to chapter 4, the tell. Chapter 4 stresses the remembrance of the Lord's goodness and of retelling the story. It focuses on the 12 stones and their function. Chapter 4 tells us we must, we must set up stones. We must leave a tell. Verse 6 and verse 7 show the main intentions of these stones. They are to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the Lord. There's an assumption we can take from these early verses of of chapter 4. An assumption that the greatest enemy of the faith may be forgetfulness. Maybe just as in marriage, the real enemy may not be infidelity, but a slow process of forgetting and a gradual failure to remember the, the preciousness of the other person. It's extremely important that Israel remembers this day. It also, this also would imply that this event is, is unique and the Lord doesn't usually work with such majestic displays of power. We need to set up stones as there are long stretches in our lives where we don't see great displays of God's power and we re- need to remind ourselves of them and, and others. 
God's standard method of retaining his people's fidelity is not by frequent and dazzling displays of power, but by the faithful witness to and teaching of the particular acts in which he has already demonstrated his care. And this act of remembrance cries over for us in the church. We continue to remember the unique and wonderful act of our Redeemer in the Lord's Supper. And our children might whisper, what does this mean? And we can whisper back our brief witness. And why do we remember? Lest we forget. Verse 18 of chapter 4 provides further evidence that this was truly by God's hand. When the priests left the river, the water returned immediately. There could have been an earthquake or a or a landslide, a collapsing bank that, that had blocked off the river. And that's actually happened since in, with the Jordan. And God could have used those things to serve his purpose. But the fact that the water returned instantly and in full flood highlights the miracle, highlights that this was by the mighty hand of God. Another interesting point from the passage is that in verse 19, it was the tenth day of the first month. And in Exodus 12, verse 2 and 3, it tells us it was the tenth day of the first month that Israel began to prepare to leave Egypt by setting aside the Passover lamb. And 40 years later, the 10th day of the first month, they crossed the Jordan. So the 10th day of the first month marked the beginning of redemption and 40 years later, it's it's marking the completion of it. It's very interesting and I'm not going to say more about it, but there we are. Verse 20 tells us that that Joshua sets up the stones as a monument, as a tell. And the world, Canaan, was was not expecting the crossing. In fact, they would have thought it was impossible. But God specializes in the impossible. So these stones are set up as a reminder of the mighty hand and faithfulness of the Lord. At this point, I ask myself here, uh, you know, what have I set up that leaves a tell? Does my son see me pray? Does he see me read my Bible? In a couple of years, will he ask me what Jesus means to me? We need monuments in our lives. We need, we need stones. We need tells, things that highlight in our homes and in our lives how God has worked in us. Not only of our faith, but of some of the, the unique and majestic displays of his hands that, that we, have, we have felt. And before I bring this to a conclusion, I would like to tell you something. A story of of the Lord working in my life. Over three years ago now, um, the river of my life may have seemed pretty calm on the surface, but underneath the currents were strong. For whatever reason, I was just stressed. And, you know, it was mostly work-related, as is our want and um, just worried about direction and future and what was happening and and it was lasting for for months and I was seeking God's face um, but not really trusting him for guidance I was a prime example of asking for wisdom and then doubting I was a perfect example of Joshua or sorry James chapter 1 tossed about like a wave of the sea I was waking early in the morning and, and straight into a kind of stress mode and losing perspective on things. Um, Emma and I went on holiday to, to Canada and spent two weeks with Pete and Rose Linus and that was really great and just to get away from things and 
begin to put some perspective back and spend a bit more time with the Lord. But the, the, the day we came home in the morning, I woke up in my bed. I woke up early. I was straight back into this kind of stress. I prayed and I felt God give me the verse, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And this was comforting and I fell back asleep. And a couple of hours later I woke again um, and I just felt the blackness of stress start to descend and and I had my face kind of lying on the side of the bed and I could see on the floor was a, a little booklet of daily readings that my auntie had given me maybe 18 months before and I hadn't really touched but I decided to open it and turn it to the, to the day's date. And the verse was, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And I thought, well, okay, Lord, I need to claim this. I need to trust you for this. Thank you, Lord. So I got up. It was Sunday morning. I came to church. I was late, which is fairly normal. Uh, and I was, uh, I was by myself because Emma was working. Um, and, you know, in the car on the way around... I started to think again and it just the blackness descended. Stress. And when I got to church, I was thinking about Monday morning, but I came in and the door was closed. Um, the audio was playing out through the speaker and I, I peeped through the peak hole and the children are all standing up the front of church. It must have been Children's Day. And I, I, I snuck through the back door and stood with my, my back against the door and literally as soon as I came in, all of the children standing at the front shouted at me, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. I couldn't believe it. You know, this was overwhelming, that the God of heaven and earth cared so much for me. He, he needed me to hear that. And he had the children shouted at me. Things like that don't happen very often, and they they don't in my life. But when they do, they need to color our whole horizon. Reading Joshua 3 highlights to me that the greatest thing that matters is to have the Lord, to see the Lord, to possess the Lord, to follow the Lord. Life is a series of, of raging rivers that can seem impossible to cross. And the Lord uses these rivers to ask us, is it in me that your confidence rests? Am I alone sufficient for your trials? God basically tells the Israelites in Joshua chapter 3, take this box that you have made for me, my presence, and walk it into the middle of the out-of-control river. Take all that represents your religion and put it in the middle of the chaos. Take what you're sure of and jeopardize it with what you're scared of. Take your faith and put it right in the middle of the most dangerous situation that faces you. Joshua 4 leads me to pause and ask myself, am I willing to step out by faith and start stacking stones that are worth remembering for all eternity? What stones have I stacked that will cause my son to ask me what do these mean? And do I have a tell, something about me that will make an impact on the eternity of other people. Joshua 3 and 4, the great show and tell. 